suffering for the sake of Christ firsthand, but he has also experienced that same suffering alongside Paul. This adds to the validity of Paul's teaching here, which he strongly encourages Timothy to hold on to, and today um, he would encourage us to hold on to it as well. Above all, Timothy is to rely on the most secure, reliable, unchanging defense against error and false teaching that there is, and that is the God-breathed, inspired, written scriptures. When we talk about what is contained from Genesis to Revelation, um, we need to understand that although um, when Paul was was preaching and ministering um, and on his missionary journeys, um, a lot of what he referred to came from the Old Testament because the New Testament was still in the process of being written and he was in the process of being used by God to write much of that as we know. Um, So a lot of what he refers to comes from the Old Testament, but it applies to us today just as it did to Paul and all of the churches that he ministered to so long ago. Um, The description uh, here of God's word in the Greek is literally translated God breathed. We know that it was written by some 40 or so authors, but we also know that those authors were inspired, they were led by God. Now, they wrote from their perspective, they wrote from their background, Um, Luke was a doctor. So a lot of what he relates comes from the perspective perspective of how a doctor would think. Um, And so as we go through, we understand that while it was written while it was penned by man, it was literally given, it was inspired through God, and it is what we rely on today for the direction that God has for our life. 2 Timothy chapter three and verse 16, the Bible says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. This morning, we wanna take a few minutes And we want to break down each one of these things and how they apply in our lives today. All scripture is given by God. That's where we start. Understanding that when we go to this book, what we should come away from this book with is what God has intended for us to see, for us to understand, for us to make a part of our life. The description here um, tells us that that God in his wisdom, in his mercy, and in his love has chosen to provide for us all those things that are necessary for us to live a life in the manner that he wants us to live. Um, Paul lists four things in the verse that help us understand what scripture is profitable or useful for. Now, for the next few minutes, you get to be a kid. You get to choose Um, your age, let's say between eight and 11 years old. Um, Somebody asked me when I was coming in this morning, okay, are you ready for this morning? I said, (laughs) it's just big kids. Um, So this morning, you choose how old you're going to be, somewhere between eight and 11, um, because really, you don't have to be a grown-up to understand what God's word has to say to you. And as a matter of fact, sometimes as adults, we complicate what God's word has to say. And this morning, 
I, I intend to use this verse to show you just how simple it is to understand what God desires for our life daily by reading and understanding what he provides for us here. Um, first, the scripture is useful for teaching. Now, when we think about teaching, um, whether it's a parent to a child, uh, a teacher in a classroom to students, um, a, a pastor to the congregation, um, we think about a person who is giving instruction um, for everyone else to learn from. Well, that is true. That is what teaching is. However, in this particular case, we have to understand that God has given us the scripture to teach us, not for us just to teach others with, but to teach us what God is, who God is, and from the perspective of God, what he wants to impart to us so that we live the kind of life that he wants us to live. Um, it is useful to help us to know God better. Through scripture, we learn of God's character, his righteousness, his mercy, and perhaps most important to us, his love, which is demonstrated by him sending his son to die in our place, to pay the cost that God requires for our sin. We also learn what is true about God, about heaven, about what, is, uh, what the future will be like, and about God's plan for each of our lives. Um, when, when we are born, I believe that the scripture tells us that we're born with a nature that needs to know God. Um, that is how he has created us. Um, if, you look at, if you look at creation, the Bible says that creation cries out the existence of God. But if it were not that we could understand through that, the fact is that God created us with a desire, with a need to know him. And what better way is there for us to know God, to know the love of God, and to know what God desires in our life than for us to spend time in his word, what he has given us to help us understand who he is and why he has created us to be who we are. Um, without God's word, can we fully understand all of what God desires in our life? Can we fully understand um, what God's purpose is for our life? There are people in parts of this world that will never be exposed to the written word of God, yet they will know that God exists. For us, for us, it's much simpler than that because he has given us his written word. He teaches us through his written word and he helps us to understand um, the relationship that he desires to have with us. Um, the scripture is profitable, is useful for showing people what is wrong in their lives. This is the one that probably we don't like to look into the most. Um, most of us, by our human nature, don't like to be told that we're wrong. We don't like to have our faults pointed out. Um, we don't like other people. We don't like the feeling of other people standing in judgment over us. But the truth is, 
that in everyday life, we have those people in our lives. The employee has the employer who stands over them. The child has the parent who stands over them. Um, And the Christian has the church and the word of God who stands over them. So while we may not like to, to deal with the fact that there is sin in our life, the fact is that there is. So second, the scripture is useful for reproof. The idea of exposing or pointing out our sin. It's like when we look in a mirror before we leave home. Um, How many of you have absolutely no mirrors in your house anywhere? Why do you think that is? I I don't think I've ever met anybody that could say that they had no mirrors in their house. And that's because we like to make sure that um, everything is right before we go out in public. Um, You know, I've been married for 40 years. And when I wake up first thing in the morning, I am not a pretty sight. Um, What hair I have, uh, which doesn't look like very much in the morning, it looks like it's a lot because it's just all crazy. And I'm not gonna jump right up and run out the door looking like that. If I go by the mirror and see what what my head looks like when I get up in the morning, I'm not going anywhere until that's taken care of. So we have mirrors to see that everything is, is correct before we leave. We have God's word to, to look at our lives through to see if we are living the life that God desires for us to live. Um, and when it comes to sin, we don't like people pointing it out. But even more than that, we don't like God pointing it out. We just, we don't, we don't care to have God point out our sin because of all of the, all of the, the people, all of the creation that we could disappoint, even in our humanness, disappointing God is as great a failure as we can ever feel. Um, so we don't like when God points out our sin. Um, it bothers us. It should. It, it should eat at our heart. Um, ladies, and this seems to be true with just about every lady that I've ever met. Um, my wife, I don't know why my wife has any hair because if you look at the beater on our vacuum cleaner, that's where all of it is. So I don't know why she has any on her head. However, let one hair, let one hair from her head come out and be on her blouse somewhere and touch her arm. And you would think that somebody was, was, was just torturing her because she can't stand that little tiny tickle feeling, and you got to get it off. You got to get it off. What would we be like if in our relationship with God, we looked at our sin as the same kind of irritation that can come from that little tiny hair that is just so randomly touching on your skin somewhere? If we allow the sin in our life to affect our heart, 
the way a loose hair can on our body, would we not look for how God wants us to change whatever that is, to walk away from that sin, to make it right with him? Um, So scripture is good for reproof. And then the Bible says that scripture is, is good for correcting our faults. God doesn't just point out what our sin is. He doesn't just tell us what is wrong in what we are doing or in what we're not doing. He provides for us what we need in order to be able to make our lives right with him, to deal with the sin that exists there. Um, God's word both points out sin and offers a solution to it. God doesn't just show us what we're doing wrong. He helps us understand how to make it right with him. You know, when, when we do something that affects a family member or a friend or um, sometimes a, a coworker, and we know that we have, we have hurt them in some way, um, most of us, most of us are going to feel bad about that. And we're gonna want to make that right. We don't want that that hurt, that wall to exist between us and the people who are in our lives. Then why should it be any less that we don't want the sin that is in our life to create a wall between us and the God who sent his son to die for us. So when when God points out our sin, he also gives us what we need through his word to understand how to make that right with him. Whether um, Whether it's a simple matter of asking for forgiveness or whether it's um, a matter of going to our brother or sister who we have hurt, who, he, who we have wronged, and making it right with them and making it right with God. Um, something that I teach our kids all the time is that when you do something that, that hurts somebody else, then God says that we need to go to them and we need to ask them to forgive us and we need to make it right. But it doesn't stop there because all sin is against God. So we also need to go to our Father in heaven and ask for his forgiveness and then ask for his help for us to make the corrections in our life that will keep us from doing those same things over and over and over again Um, with little children. How many times do parents or grandparents say, no, stop, don't do that. And how many times is it for the same thing over and over and over again? You know, why kids don't grow up thinking their name is don't touch? I don't know. But it's the same with God. Just because we come and we confess what is wrong in our life between us and God 
doesn't mean that there is an automatic correction. There's forgiveness, but there's not an automatic correction. We have to work to change the things in our life that lead us to those sins in the first place so that we can come to God confidently knowing that we are walking in the the way that he wants us to walk. The world has plenty to say about what's okay by worldly standards. And we as well um, as our children can be easily misled in the world that we live in today. Again, that's part of why we go so far away for camp because we're able to get away from many of those worldly influences. Now, some, some go with us because we're human and we take them as we go. But the, the fact is that through God's word, he sets the standard that we're to live by and there's no guessing necessary. If we're confused by what God's word says, we need only to look a little deeper and allow God to make his way clear. We should never turn to the world for clarification of what God wants in us. Um, the world is full of advice. And most of it, from the worldly perspective, most of it isn't any good. But how quickly, how quickly we let the world dictate what we're going to do, the life we're going to live, um, the attitude that we're going to show in the workplace or in the home or in the neighborhood, sometimes even in the church. We are so quick to allow the world to set the standards by which we live our lives And God says that the only standards we should live our life by are those standards that he puts before us, those standards that he lays out for us through his word. That's where we should get our direction. That's also where we should go for the validation that we need as humans in our life. As humans, we need to know that we're doing well. We need to know that we're doing what is right. And the world is very quick to tell us what is right. But very seldom do we find that what the world says is right lines up with what God says in his word. So we have to choose which one are we gonna use to guide our walk to determine what we do in our life every day. Fourth, the scripture says that it is useful for training in righteousness, teaching us how to live right with God through, uh, though, though similar to, to teaching, training is different in that training is more focused on practical application. You can, you can teach that two plus two equals four and it can be so simple. However, if the principle is not applied 
you'll never be able to move beyond that. Um, Math and life are things that build on the previous. So where math builds on a previous skill or technique or function, our life should build on what God has taught us through his word. It should be the guide that we trust, the guide that we go to um, for the practical application in our life. It's the, the practice of doing. It, um, it takes thought and makes it a reflex or a habit. When we want to do what God wants us to do, then we have to practice. We have that sinful nature that is opposed to doing what God wants us to do because that sinful nature is focused on self, on us, on me. But God's desire is that our focus is on him. And for us to live a life that is shaped and molded to what God wants it to be, we have to practice. We will fail over and over and over again. And God will forgive us over and over and over again if our desire is to do it right, is to do it how God wants us to do. So we practice and we fail. And we practice some more until that practice becomes the reflex, the habit in our life that is the habit that keeps us doing what God desires for us to do. It becomes our natural response to situations that we encounter in everyday life. Using the scripture, the person, can, the person who serves God will be capable having all that is necessary to do every good work. That's God's promise. If we use what he gives us through his word, we'll have everything that we need to live the life that he wants us to live. The Bible's like a training manual to show us as Christians how to live. It's not a bunch of of rules and a list of, of things that we shouldn't do, although that is sometimes how we wanna look at it. The Bible is God's instruction to us to help us live the life that he desires for us to live which will bring about in our life the satisfaction of walking with God on a level that without his word, we would never be able to achieve. If if we didn't have God's word to go to in our lives, then everything that is wrong with the world today would be right with us. But because God has given us his word, because we find his instruction, um, his direction there, we are able to separate what the world says is okay, whether it's in action or lifestyle or deed or whether it's in how we relate to him, we are able 
to use what God provides for us to be what God wants us to be. As God controls our lives and as we grow as Christians, God will change us to be more and more like Christ. Um, I had a, one of my teachers in the academy who also has a child in our academy. Um, school is out, but some kids, um, the sponges that they are, they never stop thinking, they never stop processing. And he and his mother were having a discussion um, about something from their devotion. And he made a statement to his mom from the devotion that they were reading. And he said, does that mean that Pastor J.D. never sins? <laughs> Laughing in the back. Um, and his mom asked, why, why would you think that? The Bible tells us that we all sin. So why would you think that he doesn't? And the response was, because I don't see him do wrong stuff. Now, truth is, I'm just as fallible, just as bad as anybody else who has ever taken a breath of air. But the more that we spend our time in God's word and walk with him, the better our understanding becomes of what he desires of our life. And what he desires most of our life is that we live a life that reflects Christ to others. I'm fortunate in that I get to be that reflection for kids. And kids are much less complicated um, when it comes to understanding what that reflection is, is saying than what grown-ups can be. Because the older we get, the more judgmental we become. But in the life of a kid, until they're taught to be judgmental, they take what they see for face value. And that's why it's so important, not just with kids, but with the world that we live in every day, that is why it is so important that we live our life based on what God's word has to say, that we learn from what God wants to teach us and we understand what God is like so that we can model what God is like to the people that we encounter every day whether it's kids in school, people at your work, people at the grocery store, um, no matter where we encounter people, we should be setting an example that allows them to see who Christ is in us. That's a choice. It's a choice that every single one of us has to make. So I guess the question is, if we believe that the Bible is God's word, if we believe that it contains, as 2 Timothy 3.16 says, everything that we need to live the life that God wants us to live, to be the success that God wants us to be. And success can look like 
many different things. Success is not measured in possessions. True success should be measured in our relationship with God and how he leads in our life. So if we believe that this book is given by the inspiration of God to affect every element of our life, can you say that you spend enough time with him by spending time in his word? Most of us, most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, would have to say we fall short of that. But you know what? The more, the more time we spend in his word, the better we understand who he is, how much he loves us, the price he paid for us, and the more we should want to share that with others. And the best way for us to do that is by living a life that reflects him to those who are around us. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your love. Lord, I thank you that you accept each one of us with our faults, our imperfections, with our sin. Lord, I thank you that with the start of each new day, I don't feel you looking down from heaven saying, this is the last day that he gets to get it right. And if he doesn't get it right today, his life is over. Lord, I know that you control the length of every life just as you control the length of every day. And Father, it is my prayer that you would help each of us to learn, to look to you, to rely on you, to come to your word for the answers that we have, for the questions that we have and the answers we need to life struggles and to how we can share with those around us what you have for them just as you have given it to us. Father, help us to be the example that is pleasing to you that will shine your light into the lives of others. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name.